Um, I, I want to continue, continue to preach on the church, but to, tonight we're speaking on uh, glory to God in the church, or God gets glory in the church. Not so much as it were by the church, but in the church that God has done something very special. And uh, as we live in this uh, very uncertain time, it's uncertain as far as the world is concerned and as far as situations and circumstances are around us. But for those of us who are in Christ, uh, we are steady. We are, we are certain that is God loves us and he loves us through Jesus Christ and that Jesus has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And we know the love of God that he so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whosoever would believe in the son of God would not perish. I like to say should not perish, will not perish, cannot perish, but have everlasting life. So we know the love of God. Uh, someone said so well, one of the old preachers when I was much, much younger said, how much does God love us? He said, Jesus stretched out his arms and died. And I think that says it so graphically. So we want to look at God's glory in the church. I don't want you to be fearful. I don't, uh, that is filled with fear. I don't want you to say, well, it's easy for you to say, Pastor. No, it is not easy for me to say. I say what God says. And this is what I have tried to teach all of us, not only in our city, not only here in America, but around the world. We say what God says. And if you say what God says, you will have what God says. And this is what we want to do. Um, I, I will be quoting some, uh, something from Bishop Gerald Glenn, perhaps later on, because I think that what he said was so profound, though he is with the Lord today, what his words live on and his legacy is here. And I just wanted to do that. Uh, I, I knew him as a young man, but I did not keep up with him in his life. But I, I knew he was a man of God. And I want to just, but I want to just talk about that because a lot of this was uh, uh, predicated on his testimony and I started to preach on the church and who we are so that we don't fall into some trap that we are defined by what secular people say, what people who don't know God say and believe. Uh, we are not defined by that. We're defined by God the Father. We're defined by his word and whatever he says, uh, that's who and what we are. Glory to God in the church. Uh, Paul says, and we'll read it a little bit later from Ephesians chapter 3. He says to, to, uh, to God, to him, be glory in the church. Now, by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And what that means is God will always have a witness in the earth regardless of what happens, regardless of what goes on. God will always have a witness that is to all generations forever and ever. And he says, amen, or so be it. It's, it will not fail. It's a certainty. And he brings glory to himself in the church by Christ Jesus. Very, very key for us to understand. And so let me define glory again for you. I don't want you to forget it. Glory is not some what we call nebulous word or some word that's up in the clouds somewhere and we can't really grasp it. Yes, but it means dignity. 
it means honor and praise. So God has, has a praise in the church. God has given the church dignity. That is, we who are uh, from the, a sinful extraction. We, are, we were sinners. We were uh, men without God. We were without covenant. And God saved us. We were, as it were, without worth. And God gave us worth by his love. God never saw worth in us, therefore he saved us. But God uh, loved us when we were unlovely and gave us worth and made us lovable. He, it means to worship. When you talk of glory, you must speak of worship and thanksgiving, things like magnificence. So what God took the, as it were, ugly and gave them beauty. It means great beauty, magnificence, or to become highly renowned, well-known, well-known for your goodness and the grace of God that is in you and upon you. It has to do with honor in that God has honored us by making us his sons because of faith in one person, Jesus Christ. This is so amazing. And it says also uh, honor that is won by a notable achievement. So then you and I did not win this tremendous victory. There was one person who won this victory, and that is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, who has won this amazing victory, who won this amazing victory, has bestowed it upon us. He bestowed it upon us, which is so amazing. And uh, it's a thing of distinct beauty, respect, and delight. And so even if the world does not respect us in every sense, uh, angels respect the church because they know that the church is the body of Christ. And I want you to get that into your spirit. As, as a, a precious nun said many, many years ago, I want you to get it into your, your knower, get it into your, your knower, in, into your spirit. And uh, we are a, a body, an entity, an organism that God takes pleasure in. And so when we speak of glory in the church, these are things that we are saying. We are saying that, that those who were far off have been brought near. We are saying that the love of God is manifested in the body of Christ, in the church of Jesus Christ. We're saying amazing and great things about the church, but not because uh, we somehow... Um, have made ourselves good or great, but Jesus has done that for us. So we want to, you to understand uh, the, high, the high place the church has in the hard mind of God. The, the scripture says that Jesus told us uh, when he spoke to Peter and the disciples, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not shall not prevail against it. And, and another amazing thing that we taught you last time about the church is th this amazing beauty of the church in that it was not known in the Old Testament as it is. It was not known. And, and we want you to understand that. God kept this secret, this mystery, locked up inside himself. He, he kept it locked up inside himself, uh, and he never revealed it as it was revealed to the prophets, uh, Old Testament prophets. He never did that. This is so amazing that Gentiles would share the same body as the Jews because the Gentiles did all kinds of detestable things, lived like people who do not know God, had no idea of God. 
and uh, now they are in one body with the people who knew the, the eternal God and who had covenant with him, who served him in holiness and righteousness. This is such an amazing mystery. So uh, I would like to look at Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. We'll start there. Paul talks about uh, something, and he says, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles, among uh, people who were, as it were, reprobates, people who had no idea of God, people who uh, worship idols and all kinds of creeping things. He said, um, I was given the grace to, to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So these riches of Christ are not traceable. They're not traceable. These kinds of riches. It, it, what he means by unsearchable riches is if you were uh, given like uh, perhaps uh, some gold, for example, something precious like gold, and you were walking, say, in the woods, and you saw this big lump of gold there, and you say, wow, look at all this gold. And then you saw little gold nuggets going, and you would follow them. You were putting them in your, your bag or your canister, and you were following them and going places and going places. And then suddenly, in, in many directions, this gold just went in all kinds of directions, maybe a thousand directions, and it was, it was greater than what you initially saw. That's what the unsearchable riches look like. That means you can't trace them out. There are so uh, many of them. They, they are just so numerous, so great. And so Paul is preaching these great mysteries of this one person, Jesus Christ. And he says, he was given the grace to preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see, and to make all see. So Paul was given this uh, great grace that he had the ability to bring sight to the blind. And that's what the, that reality is in the church today. You may feel like, well, no, I'm not a preacher. doesn't matter. You have the life of God in you that preaches also. Certainly, you use your, your mouth. You use your vocabulary. You use your ability to join words together. But, but that life that is in you is what gives the unction. That is, the Spirit of God gives the unction to preach this, uh, uh, this gospel and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery or the sharing of the mystery or the plan that God has of, of this great mystery. Now, listen what he says, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God. From the beginning of the ages, God never revealed it like this, even to his special people, the Gentiles, I mean the Jews, it had been hidden in God. Now listen, who created all things through Jesus Christ. And so what he continues to say to us is that Jesus Christ is the person uh, and the reality through whom God did everything. It says to the intent, God had an intent, that now the manifold or variegated or multidimensional wisdom of God might be made known by the church, by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is so huge, so great, so amazing. So the church is this great mystery. And uh, Paul tells us uh, the mystery that was kept secret uh, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, so it is Jesus Christ, this reality of Jesus Christ in a people group or in a new 
newly created nation called the church. Yeah, made up from all the peoples of the earth. It is a ch the, the church. It's a new nation called the church. Now, in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, verses 14 through 21, uh, we have some T-H-A-T-S, that's, that is T-H-A-T, that's. We, we, we're going to see what that, that means. Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For this reason, I bow my knees. And, that, and, and so Paul talks about uh, uh, this in an amazing way, this amazing mystery that God has. He says, um, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father uh, of the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He says, this is what God wants for you, a member of the, of the church, the body of Christ, that he would grant you, he would bestow upon you, grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. So what God says, he says, he would grant you, gift you, God, this is what God has done. If you're a member of the body of Christ, you're a member of the church of Jesus Christ, you belong to God through Jesus Christ, that God has now granted you wealth, immeasurable wealth. According, he has granted you according to his wealth, the wealth of his glory. Now listen, his glory is blazing splendor, it's dignity, it's worship, it's praise. So God has done something for you that no being, no angel in heaven who had never sinned would have ever dreamed of it. It did not enter into them what God was going to do. And so the angels are just shouting and just going wild, like, wow, 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 wow. Like a friend of mine used to say, look at God. Whenever he would see something amazing, he would say, look at God. You know? So you have to see him with your spiritual eye. And this is what he's saying. He has done for the church. He has given us immeasurable wealth, riches of glory, blazing splendor to be strengthened, to be energized, to be fortified. Uh, with might through the, his spirit in the inner man. And so God gave people, gave people who said, I believe in Jesus. God, I believe in him. And, and he says, he's given you might within you that is by his spirit in your inner man. Now listen to what he says. And this is what he did for us. Those of us who were treasonous, rebellious people. That's why we ought to forgive whomever offends us. Yes, let's forgive them because God in Christ has forgiven us. So the church is a body of forgiven people. Yeah, people who have done all kinds of atrocities, but now they're saved eternally by the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son. This is so huge. And so we, we have to be careful about reducing ourselves to a mere organization. And we are taking cues from people who do not know God. Now, I'm not against people who do not know God. I love them. That's why I preach the gospel. And I continue to preach the gospel. I plan to preach the gospel until I die. Yeah, even when I'm old, if they have to take me up here in crutches and tie me into a chair, as long as I have a voice, I will preach the gospel because God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should 
not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus Christ might be saved. That's our message. And if some people say that's ignorant, you say, oh yes, it's ignorance that you say it's ignorance. It's ignorance that you don't know God. It means you are unaware of God. I'm not angry with you, but I'm here to preach and love you and care for you. That's, that's who the church is. So the church is not to be punitive, always punishing. Yeah, acting like we are mere men. We're not mere men. No, what does he say uh, in the uh, rest of 17? Uh, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. So G God has given us this amazing blessing. He's granted us this immeasurable wealth of glory uh, and strengthened us with uh, might through his spirit gave us of himself his spirit the eternal spirit the immortal spirit of God he has given to us that Christ may what that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and so because the Holy Spirit lives in you it argues it strongly argues for the divinity of Jesus Christ it says Jesus Christ is everything he says he is and you and I are now made different then he says that you being rooted and grounded in love. And so look at the immeasurable wealth of, of the grace of God. And now the love of God that you and I are rooted and grounded in love. It's like God has planted you in love. He has rooted you and grounded you in love. And so you are so planted in Christ. It's as though a plant is planted in the earth and it, it sucks up the, the moisture, just drinks up the moisture from the earth and the nutrients from the earth and it grows and becomes strong. And that's what you and I being rooted and grounded in love, we may be able or have full strength or be competent. Yes, so God has made you able. He has given you fullness of strength. He has made you competent to comprehend, that is to seize, to take possession of, to obtain with all the saints. It doesn't matter who the saints are. With all the saints, what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ? So God has made you competent to know the love of Christ. So don't ever say to yourself, well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't feel like, stop it. Really, I mean that. I mean, don't let these things shake you. You are, you, you are uh, a citizen of, of the only unshakable kingdom, uh, the only unmovable kingdom, the unbeatable kingdom. You are a member of that. You are a member of the church, the body of Christ. And the words of God himself said, upon this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church. You and I can't build the church. He builds the church. He builds us. And he says, listen, all that hell has to, uh, to throw at you cannot prevail against you. Wow. It's huge. So this is who we are as the church of Jesus Christ. So stop reducing the church to a mere organization. And so many do it. So many do it unwittingly. And uh, some of them, them do it because they just flatly have been co-opted. That is, they have allowed the world to teach, take them, snatch them, and redefine the church. And they believed it. Well, we're going to have to keep preaching to them until they stop believing that. Amen? Amen, somebody. And then home, you say amen to that. And so he's also... Uh, given us or made us able to know the love of Christ which 
passes knowledge, which surpasses knowledge, which goes beyond knowledge, which excels beyond knowledge. And so this is what God is saying. He is saying that you are so settled in God through Jesus Christ, and you're so settled in his love, you're rooted and planted in his love, that it doesn't matter what one thinks, your love, your love goes beyond that. The love of Christ goes beyond what you can articulate with your mouth, what you can know with your brain. It goes beyond that. You, there are situations in our lives we'll go, but I don't, I don't understand this, but I know God loves me. Uh, uh, oh, wow. I've had many days like that. I don't know. I don't understand. But this is what I know. God loves me. And I know sometimes I'm, I'm counseling with people. I say, this is what we know. God loves you. Because every time you say, well, I'm, I'm not sure he loves me. Well, look at the cross. Look at the cross. If you can look at this, this innocent man, the first innocent man to ever live on this planet, the first innocent man to ever die a death that was not his, and you can still say God doesn't love you, I say help you, God. Come on, we're the church of the living God. We're not church of some dead God. We're not some, uh, the church of some God who is uh, made, made in the image of somebody's imagination. No. No, he's, not, he's not, not some figment of somebody's mind. He is the living God. And he now calls us son, and we call him father. Now listen to what he says. So, uh, we, we, to know the love of God, of Christ, which passes knowledge, surpasses knowledge, that you, now what God has given us, such love, the love of God, we know God loves us, and he has given us su such knowledge, uh, such love that goes past knowledge, surpasses knowledge, goes beyond knowledge, excels beyond knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now this is the church. This is God getting glory in the church because now the church the, this amazing organism is, is filled with the fullness of God. I cannot tell you. I want to shout. I want to scream. Because you and I are filled with the fullness of God. Wow. Wow. As I've grown up as a boy and growing up into adulthood, there's a lot of things I, I've learned. And uh, I remember as a boy, I didn't know uh, what words meant. And always, I didn't know what a lot of words meant. I mean, not, you know, of course, sure, I knew mom, dad, food, you know, <laughs> I knew some of those things. But I didn't quite know what words meant. And that we would have in school a vocabulary. And vocabulary uh, was an important part of, of education because if you don't know uh, what a word means, you don't know really what is said. You hear a sound, but you don't know what is said. And in God, he has given us uh, a vocabulary, and, uh, and our vocabulary says that you and I are, are filled with the fullness of God. In other words, there is nothing that the church needs that it doesn't have. There is nothing. Nothing that the church needs it doesn't have. So you and I are filled with the fullness of God. How do we know that? Because Christ has come into our hearts to stay. He has taken up residence in our hearts. God the Father has taken up residence in our hearts. This is a settled issue forever. Forever. And so this is the glory of God in that God has taken vessels of clay and he now lives in them. 
And we are now temples of God, not made with hands. This is huge. This is amazingly huge. Being temples of God, not made with hands. So we are the residents of God. Now listen, let, let's continue. He says, and then Paul does a doxology. He says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Now listen, now to him. Now Paul now uh, lifts everything to God. He says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power. Wait a minute. According to the power that works in us. So the power is working in us, making us strong. We are, we are more resilient than we've ever been. Resilient. That means no matter how badly we're stretched, no matter how much we're torn, we go right back to the original shape. Have you ever gone through a difficult trial, very difficult trial, and you knew that this trial was going to destroy you? You knew you were going to fail. You just knew it. And you say, well, I haven't ever been through that. Well, wow, it's, a, it's in front of you. But let me tell you, don't worry. I've been through them. And I thought, this is, this is going to kill me. I'm, I'm going to just do something stupid, and I'm going to go to hell. I, I used to say that. And every time I would go through a difficult trial, I would bounce back, right back, right back, no matter how it's stretched. And this is a, is a blessing that God has given to us. And uh, he says he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. I, I, I want to, to draw to a close now. I'm going to uh, end my message, but I'm going to come back Sunday with some more. But let me just tell you, I want to end because I know you're attacked. You're attacked on the left and on the right. You're attacked. And, uh, and I want you to know that God is with you. Let me remind you of Bishop Glenn's uh, words uh, before his death. He, Bishop Glenn said, in a sermon on March the 22nd, he said, I firmly believe that God is bigger than the virus. I do too. And the Bible says it also. And those who say, what's wrong with these people? They're crazy. No, we're crazy about God and you're not. I mean, that, that's the issue. That is the line of demarcation there. And he said also, he is bigger than our struggles. What, regardless of what you're going to, through, God is bigger than your struggles. He also said that God is bigger than coronavirus. I so agree. And God is bigger. And somebody may say, well, pastor, don't say that. Don't keep saying that. It doesn't matter what happens. God is bigger than coronavirus. That is the testimony of the church of Jesus Christ. We have seen God save us. That's, that's greater than any vaccine could ever be against coronavirus. God saved us from our hopelessness, our waywardness. He saved us from what we could not be saved from. There was no solution in the earth. And God became a man and saved us. Somebody says, that's a fairy tale. No, it is to you, but to us, it's reality. It's reality. And we know whom we believe, and we are persuaded that he's able to keep us. He is able to keep us. He, he is able to sustain us against that day, that day when he's going to judge the earth. And so he says he's bigger than a coronavirus. And I love this about Bishop Glenn, what he said. If I die, I'm not worried about that. See, this is a testimony of, of a believer. This is the power of the church. This is glory in the church. Some people may see it as defeat, but it's glory in the church. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, it wasn't defeat. He died in victory. 
And, he, and this man said, this bishop said, I'm not worried about that. I will not be afraid. And I'm going to look at you, look at you in the eye and say, don't you be afraid. Don't you be afraid. Don't you be afraid. Because God is receiving glory in the church, in the church by Christ Jesus. Now, if you're in, in our audience today, I want you to invite the Lord into your heart. I want you to ask Jesus to come in to your heart and save you. The scripture teaches us that if you or I would confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And if you were to ask Jesus to come into your heart right now, you can be saved. You'll be saved. And then you'll be a part of this glorious body made up of believing Jews and believing Gentiles, made up of these, these two groups of people. An impossibility. No angel, no, no principality, whether good ones or bad ones, would have ever believed that. But God was able to accomplish it, able to accomplish it through Jesus Christ. It, it's more amazing than someone bringing oil and water together in one container and making them compatible with each other. That's what it was like. It would been greater than that. And God was able to do that. And now God is going to receive glory through the church throughout the ages because each one of us, when Jesus comes back, all this salvation will be fully realized by each one of us. The, the, the salvation that we have received in our hearts, that we are receiving in our minds, our souls, we will receive in our bodies, and we will be like Him. We will be like Jesus forever and ever. And I'm going to talk more about this this Sunday, but I want you to know that Jesus has brought you into union with God. Irrevocable union irrevocable union with God. So we bless you, and if you prayed that prayer today, you're saved.